seated. <clears throat> I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, I think January, first Sunday in January, uh, the last Sunday in of 17 I was here, but when Gary called me this week and asked me if I were available, I was happy to say that I was. Colleen and I enjoy coming to Brookwood, and we're glad to be with you this morning. And when he asked me if I could preach for him, I said, is there any particular topic you want me to, to, to consider? And he said, no, I'll leave that between you and the Lord. So it at that time, I've been reading and studying of several books, but one particularly entitled Evangelism in a Skeptical World by uh, an Asian born in Australia, a medical doctor, and also with a PhD from Trinity Seminary by the name of Sam Chen. And I, I've been very much intrigued uh, as I, I was asked to write a review of that book for our denomination's bookstore, and uh, so I, I said, I'm going to pick up on that then, and I'm going to speak to you. I didn't know what, how to, I struggle about titles for sermons, <laughs> uh, and uh, as you can probably see, I struggled with this title, Paul's Advice and Caution Regarding One's Outlook. I, I could have shortened that and said, One's Perspective. And that's what I want to speak to you on this morning. But I call your attention to our scripture, which is taken from 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. If you have your Bibles, you might want to follow. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. But regardless of your translation, you'll probably be able to follow. But I'm going to read the first 10 verses of the second chapter of the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Hear the word of the Lord. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing it against the same who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive To obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not destroying you, I will not be ashamed. We'll stop there and ask the Lord to bless the reading and the the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to 
help us to understand uh, some of what you have in store for us from this passage of Scripture. And I pray that you will be our teacher today and we will be your student, that we will humble ourselves and listen and learn in order to live. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I've been thinking a lot about time lately. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking a little more about it than usual because I'm getting older. And uh, that concerns me because I want to use my time wisely to serve out God's purpose for my life till he calls me home to glory. And I was reminded of the words of the psalmist when he said in his prayer, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. So having said that and thinking about time, I'm, I'm just going to jump in and get right down to the nitty gritty with you, with you this morning about our subject matter. First of all, I, I, I want to remind us that there is always a right way and a wrong way to approach things. We have those two choices. And we want to be sure that we know the right way to approach whatever it is that comes our way. And I want you to think about the word perspective with me this morning. Perspective, my outlook, my opinion. Because perspective becomes a real key to helping us live uh, a Christ-like life every day. And I want us to see how that plays out a little bit this morning. Things are constantly happening around us. Circumstances develop every day that, that we have to have to deal with. They, they directly or indirectly impact our lives. And generally, how we see and understand those things is determined by our perspective, our outlook, even if the things do not directly affect us as individuals, but just generally are out there, we still have to examine our perspective on trying to understand some of those things. So how does that work for you and me? Well, let me see if I can illustrate what I'm trying to say. We've had a fair amount of rain lately. I know you know that. This is one of our first Sundays in a while that we haven't had, had rain, rain on Sunday. On April the 23rd, I heard this past week, uh, which happened this past week, some of our meteorologists said we had more rain on that day, 4.5 inches, than we have had in 135 years. It's a lot of rain. I like rain. <laughs> There's a song that says rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Uh, well, they don't get me down. I like rain. So when it rains, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. I love rainy days and Mondays. 
But you know what? I thought kids don't always like rain. They like to go out and play. (laughs) And uh, when it rains, they're not always able or shouldn't be in many cases to go outside and to play. I want my grass to grow. It needs rain. It needs water to cause it to be green and, and to grow. But again, I think about the kids who want to go out and play in the yard and can't do it when it rains. Rain is rain. But our perspective about rain determines how we feel when it rains. It's a bit like little Billy playing in the backyard with his cat. And the mother said, hollered out the kitchen window, Billy, stop pulling that cat's tail. And Billy said, but mom, I'm not pulling the cat's tail. I'm only holding it. He's doing the pulling. Or the game warden who approaches the men fishing by the riverside. And the game warden said, are you fishing? He said, no, sir, I'm just drowning my worms. It's all a matter of perspective on how you see things, how you interpret them. I I remember several summers ago preaching in one of our churches in South Alabama. It was in August, and it was one of those summers where we were in pretty much of a drought. And as I gathered with the elders uh, in, the, in the study to pray before the service, I said, and let's not forget to pray about rain. And one of the elders spoke up and said, no, don't do that. I'm in timber, and I'm trying to get my timber done before the rains begin. And I thought when he said that, I'm so glad I'm not God. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to make the decisions on things like whether it rains or, or not rains because it, it depends on one's perspective, how, how one views things. And listening to Fox News, which I have chosen as my, my news channel of choice, uh, and I listen to it quite a bit, we're hearing a lot about the Iran-Contra issue and wondering what President Trump is going to do in a couple of weeks about that, that, that decision. And as I've listened to the different people speak about it, pros and the cons and so forth, it, it was just very clear to me how, how you view something like that is really a matter of your perspective about it. A few weeks ago in Saturday Wall Street Journal, there was an excellent article written by Rebecca Goldstein, who teaches philosophy at the University of Princeton. The title of the article was, Truth is Not the Problem, We Are. And her point was was simply this, we're living in a post-truth era in which we don't understand, or we do, or we don't believe there is universal truth, that truth is a matter of one's opinion. Facts no longer matter. 
You get that as you listen to the news today, don't you? You hear about fake news and so on. So how we understand life becomes a matter of our opinion. And we may not all see things the same way. And we may end up with right opinion or right perspective, or we may end up with a wrong perspective. I think that applies to things that we're hearing a lot about now regarding gun control. How much gun control should we have, if any? And oftentimes, it boils down to to your perspective on that issue. We're living in a fallen world. Sin is rampant. And our enemy, Satan, using secular teachers and leaders, have not always equipped us to think clearly about perspective and why we feel this way or why we we do not feel that way. And so that's why truth today becomes merely one's personal opinion. It's just a matter of what I think or what you think and who's to tell us which one of us is right. So if we disagree with something, we just simply reinterpret it. And you know, that can lead to other things, that that kind of thinking or not thinking. For example, if God is a loving God, why does he allow suffering and pain? We know there's suffering and pain in the world. Elliot can, can tell us about that most recently. Maria Bradley has her, has her surgery coming up. But if God is a loving God, why does he allow suffering and pain? You ever think that? And so we see someone suffer, we see someone in pain, or we find ourselves in that condition. And if we're not careful, we may think wrongly and say, there is no loving God. Or we might even think, if, if, if there's a good God, why is there evil in the world? We know there's evil in the world. We see it every day. And so we might conclude either that God is not a good God or, or there is no God who cares about this after all. So if you get my point, perspective becomes a key to understanding life. For example, when you're discouraged or when you're in despair, how do you usually react to those situations? Think about it. What's the first thing you normally do when you're discouraged? That's important because it may lead us to either a right behavior or a wrong behavior and conclusion. So your perspective on anything generally determines how you see it and how you understand it. So let's face it, none of us like to experience pain. None of us like to experience suffering. That is, maybe, unless we're masochistically inclined to love those things. So the problem that poses for us 
It's generally how we understand those things, that suffering, pain, problems, is, is conditioned by our perspective, which more than likely is conditioned by the culture in which we live around us, then it depends on a more reliable judge to help us know why we think the way we think about whatever it is we're thinking about. Do you know what? Suffering and pain and problems can really bring positive results to our lives. We don't like to think that. We don't often think that way. But if we read the Bible carefully, we see that those things can be very positive things. The Bible can give us, help us have a different slant on things that we otherwise might have a negative feeling about. For the past couple of months, I've been hobbling around on a bomb left foot. I've been suffering from a problem that's called heel spur or fasciitis. I don't know if you ever had that or not, but it's a painful thing. And I've been trying to to hobble around uh, with that. And my first reaction was, I don't like this. You know, it's keeping me from doing things that, that I normally would otherwise be doing. And so I had to stop and get my thinking straight and ask God, what is your perspective? Mine is not good about this pain. But tell me what your perspective is. And I came to the conclusion that God was trying to remind me not just to operate on my perspective that that was necessarily a bad thing, but trust him that some good could come from it. Now, if you've understood all of these little points I've been trying to weave together, and you're really willing to listen to me for a few minutes, I want you to travel with me as we consider this topic of perspective and see what God's Word says about it and how we can benefit from it. What are some of the benefits that we can, ex- that we can experience as a result of pain and suffering? or problems, or facing a critical crisis in our lives. You see, we don't normally think that they're positive things, but I think God would have us to think differently. First of all, our suffering can remind us, or should remind us, of Christ's suffering. Remembering the benefits that he gained when he suffered here on earth. Suffering can keep us from pride. Suffering can humble us. It can remind us that those things that we experience, that we call suffering and problems, 
may not really be about us primarily. What do I mean by that? If I'm suffering, it's not may not be primarily about me. Those things can be used of God in our lives to cause us to look beyond ourselves and beyond this brief life. Or they can help us, as, as we endure those things, demonstrate the authenticity of our faith in Christ, that it's real, that we really are trusting Christ. We really do believe what we say we believe about Christ is real. So others watching us handle that situation can benefit from our actions and our reactions. And so suffering or pain can become an opportunity for God to work in us to show his love and his power for us. But again, it all depends on our perspective of how we look at those things. What is our perspective? Actually, as I thought about this, and particularly using some verses in 2 Corinthians 10, the starting point with our suffering, the starting point with our problems, should not be ourselves, number one. We should not start trying to understand those things starting with ourselves. It's really God's perspective that we want so he, so we can see how this can benefit us and others at the particular moment. What's God's perspective if I've got a problem? What's God's perspective if I've lost my job or, or maybe in the process of losing my job? You see, that's the real question. What's God's perspective? The truth is, we may not feel right about our perspective of this. We may, we may not see clearly what God is trying to show us. Back when I worked for the uh, denomination, on one occasion, I said to my staff, I want you all to come to our weekly morning devotion prepared to share your favorite verse with us and tell us why that may be your favorite verse. And that's a hard thing to do because we love all of God's word. But we have some scriptures that just jump out at us a little, little more than others. And as I made that assignment to them, I realized I've got to do the same thing. So I started thinking about that. What, what would I say to say would be my favorite verse and be able to explain why that was my favorite verse to my staff. So as I thought that through and prayed about it, I came to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. And especially the last part of that verse. In, in chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says, we need to take captive every thought to obey Christ. Think about that. We need to take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. Let me paraphrase that for you. We need to think God's thoughts after him. Think God's thoughts after him. Well, you might respond, how do I know God's thoughts? The Bible says his thoughts are neither our thoughts, his ways our ways, says Isaiah the prophet. And he's right about that. We'll never know all of God's thoughts. But then I realized I will know every thought of God that he wants me to know if I take captive every thought to obey Christ. And I thought about David when he wrote that beautiful 139th psalm, a psalm of the majesty and the sovereignty of God. Particularly if you read that psalm, I'm talking about verse 17. David says in that psalm, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. And I thought, you know, when we look at a certain situation, a certain circumstance, we don't always think about God's thoughts. We think about our thoughts about God. He doesn't love us. He doesn't care for us. He's in hiding or whatever. But what David said that was so precious to me and underscores what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 10.5 is... Our thoughts must be God's thoughts for them to be precious to us. And we have to discipline ourselves to know how to think God's thoughts. And you know what, I, you know what I've found in realizing that and trying to remember it and put it into practice uh, very often If we're thinking about a situation that we're dealing with, a sickness, broken arm, loss of the job, if if we're really thinking about it from God's perspective of who God is and what he says, those things may be very positive experiences, growing experiences in our lives. For example, when we're in pain, we remember that our brief life will soon be snuffed out. And we'll be in a place where there is no more pain and suffering. And and the Bible teaches those thoughts should help us get through our present situations of trial and trials and tribulations. To remind us that what we're experiencing is only temporary. And I know when we hear that, you may be sitting there saying, but Charles, how can thinking like that help us? That sounds like more of a cop-out to me than really dealing with reality. Well, they can remind us that we need to have the right perspective about life. The writer of Hebrews says, in the end of Hebrews 11... The best is yet to come. And he's talking about when we depart 
and go to be with the Lord. And we need to think about that. And God can use troubles and pain and sickness, suffering, to remind us that that day is coming when we'll go to be with the Lord. But I want to refer you back in this second epistle to the Corinthians to the very first chapter and the very first thing that Paul addresses in writing to these second Corinthians, uh, the people at Corinth. Listen to his words. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, as through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, and listen to this, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, your salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you can experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So you see what I mean? That when we're experiencing a problem or trials, it may not just be for us. It may be for you. When Paul wrote his great letter to the Ephesians, in the third chapter, he's summarizing what he said in chapters one and one and two, and it's a book on the that deals with the church. If you want to understand the church, you need to understand the book of Ephesians. But Paul was in jail in Rome when he was writing this letter to the Ephesians, and he said. Though I am a prisoner, it is for your benefit. You see, Paul was preaching the gospel. He was preaching that there's no more Jew and Greek, male and female, that we're all one in Christ. And he was in jail for preaching that. And that's what he was trying to get across to those Gentiles in Ephesus. That they're part of the body of Christ now. They don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian We're all one in Christ. But the interesting thing was, he said, I am in prison for your benefit, for your sake. And that's what he's talking about here uh, in Corinthians. Because at this particular time, Paul is undergoing great persecution. The church that he helped start was being bombarded by false teachers. They were challenging Paul's authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But twice in in this scripture, he talks about not losing heart or not giving up. But how can we not give up? How, How can we not lose heart when bad things are happening? Well, our challenge is to have the right outlook 
the right perspective on what's happening. And we can do this because Paul says we can do this. We don't fight with weapons of flesh. We fight with spiritual weapons. Mainly he's referring to the Bible, the church, the Holy Spirit, all those different things that God uses to teach us how to think his thoughts after him. God always wants what's best for us. But we have an enemy who doesn't want what's best for us. As a matter of fact, he would hurt us and do everything he could to put us down. So we have to learn from the, the start, the beginning, to think God's thoughts about what's going on in our life. And here's the way it it may work, and and I want to kind of close and leave this thought with you. Two things I can tell you this morning based on the scripture. The most important things I think you need to know to help you have the right perspective and to help me to have the right perspective. The most important thing of all is that God loves us. I can't tell you anything that's more important than that. God loves us. And he does have a plan for our lives. But the first thing we need to know about life, regardless of what happens, God loves us. Second, the second most important thing I can tell you this morning is that God never never, ever punishes his children. God never punishes us. That's the second most important thing I can tell you this morning to help you to have the right perspective. Well, what do you mean, Charles? God's not punishing us. What's he doing? He loves us. And what does the Bible say about God's love? Whom he loves, what does he do? He chastens and scourges us. In other words, there are times when God has to spank us in order to teach us lessons. But he never, if we're his children, he never punishes us. I hope you know that. And I hope you know why he never punishes us. I would like to assume that that, that all all of you understand that. But I want you to, when you leave here this morning, if you're a Christian and you're believing in Christ, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what you're experiencing in your life, it is not punishment from God. And I can say that confidently and with great assurance on the witness and testimony of the word of God. How can I say that? What did Christ do on the cross? He died for our sins. He took our punishment. And though he may chasten and scourge us from time to time and spank us to teach us a lesson or to get us back on the straight and narrow, he never punishes us. 
Because God doesn't punish his son Jesus and us for our sins. He only punishes Christ. So that's why I say the greatest thing I can tell you and remind you of this morning in order to have the right perspective on life and to think God's thoughts is that God loves you like that, like Christ on the cross. And we're going to symbolize that in a few minutes as we come to the, to the Lord's table. All oh, this passage of scripture, I wish we had an hour to, to really look at it, but I, I hope you've gotten the main thrust of what I believe God wanted me to remind you of this morning is that he loves you. He never punishes you. So whatever you're facing in your life, you need to face it from God's perspective first. And it may not be for you personally at the moment. It may be for you to comfort someone else. As God reassures you of his love and of his comforting grace. You never know how God might use that. And that's why Paul says, the writer says in Ephesians, we need to come alongside one another and encourage one another to love and good deeds. And sometimes when we're in trouble, in pain, a friend can be a great friend to remind us of those truths. I, I, I think you're blessed here at Brookwood by sitting under Gary's preaching and teaching week after week. Gary teaches the word of God. It's the word of God that teaches us how to think God's thoughts. And that's why we need to be regular and sit under the teaching of the word of God from someone like Gary. Because even being here today, God would use that to help you think about your perspective on things that are going on in your life right now, in your family, in your personal life. Because he wants to show his love and his grace regardless of what may be going on in our lives. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we do see through a glass darkly right now. One of these days we will see things as they really are. But for now we walk by sight, by faith, and not by sight. We trust God and his word to teach us how to live and how to think. And you know what Proverbs says? As a man thinks in his heart, so he lives. What you think is vital to you having the right perspective and outlook on life. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And don't try to use those weapons of the flesh to understand things. Use the light of the word of God and the inner working of the Holy Spirit. To cause you to know how to think God's thoughts after him. 
And my friends, if you'll do that, not only have you and I not wasted our time here this morning, but God will be glorified as you live with faith in him. That's what he wants for you. That's what I would want for you too as as his servant so that you can enjoy this life knowing that the best is yet to come. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, certainly you know our hearts this morning. You know we want to please you. You know how we want to put into practice what you teach us in your word. You know that we want you to love us. And we want to show our love for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took our punishment upon the cross. By your stripes we're healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't turn your back on us. Especially in the hard times. You said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end. Remind us of that every day that we live, whether we're at school or at home or at work or driving down the highway. God is with us and God is for us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.